Welcome to Your Cathedral Podcast, a podcast from the Cathedral Church of St. Luke and St. Paul in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information on our church, please visit yourcathedral.org. Heavenly Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor this night as we remember and celebrate the depth of your love. So deep is your love that you would come, not leave us as orphans, but meet us here in this place, in this world, take on flesh and dwell among us. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would now send your spirit into this gathered group. We seek to worship and hear from you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill this place, fill each place where people are gathered around the city. And Lord, I pray you would fill each one of us to overflowing and that you would speak through me now, that my words would be your words and your truth would be spoken, heard, and received deep in our hearts here today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So I've been trying really hard this year to, with my imagination, kind of remove Mary and Joseph from the, the snow globe or, or the, the little silhouetted tableau of the Christmas card and to really walk with them, to transport myself to the journey, Walking along with this incredibly inconvenienced, expecting couple as they made their way to Bethlehem, having been mandated to do so by a pagan emperor in Rome, all for a boring government census, likely for taxation reasons. And, and I say walk because there's actually no mention in the Gospels of a donkey for Mary, as if rocking along on the back of a donkey would somehow have made the trip comfortable for a pregnant woman. And I imagine their arrival in Bethlehem. And although there are questions as to what the inn actually was uh, and whether they had doors closed in their faces, There's no question that the place where they were when the time came for Mary to give birth wasn't, to say the least, ideal. They were poor. And so they didn't, for any part of this journey, have a servant. What's more, there's no mention of a midwife or any female companionship for Mary as she gave birth. Perhaps Joseph... Stepped up that night. We men, we can hope that. But it's also equally likely that Mary was alone as she gave birth. Again, it wasn't remotely ideal, even if Joseph was attentive. Mary was regarded, and it's not surprising with the the cultural context, uh, as a nobody. And so her pregnancy and subsequent delivery of her baby, well, they weren't given the slightest amount of care or consideration by anyone in the world. In fact, maybe what happened was that 
she and Joseph just concealed the situation, right? They wanted to avoid awkward looks or comments because, of course, they weren't married yet. This was, it would seem, all out of proper order. Just think about it. If this was how you were born or how you gave birth, wouldn't you want to hide it? It's so absurd and inappropriate, even for that time, a couple of millennia ago. This is not how babies are supposed to be born. No mother dreams of her firstborn child to be born under these sorts of circumstances. Mary, she was neglected, seemingly, despised, likely, Dishonored, definitely. The reformer Martin Luther bemoaned the irony and scandal of the circumstances, writing, Imagine how she was despised at the inns along the way, though she was worthy of being brought there in a golden carriage and all pomp. How many wives and daughters of prominent men at that time lived in comfort and respect, while this woman, the mother of God, takes a journey in midwinter on foot while pregnant. How unfairly things happen. It was unfair for Mary. And what about the baby in her womb? If Mary is the mother of God, the, the theotokos, the bearer of God, this is obvious, I know, but that means the baby in her womb is God. The baby in her womb, in these same deplorable circumstances, is God. God himself. John Donne, 17th century poet, former dean of the cathedral at St. Paul in London. He writes of the baby in, the, in a poem addressed to Mary. It's a he tells her, this baby is immensity cloistered in thy dear womb. It's from a poem done entitled La Corona. It's kind of an unfortunate title um, in these difficult days of pandemic, but perhaps we can reclaim this word. Corona means crown. And it has traditionally been used as the term for Mary's sacred crown. But in astronomical terms, a corona is a crown of light around a dark heavenly body. Think of a solar eclipse and that glorious ring of sunlight shining in all directions around the dark disk of the moon. So John Donne recognizes how dark the circumstances are at the center of this birth narrative. And yet there is a brilliant corona light that cannot be hidden and will shine round about the darkness. By any measure, this baby's arrival into the darkness of the world is pitiable. Yet this baby is God. 
How and why, we must ask, would God condescend to be born at all, let alone born in this manner? Dunn answers the question. He says, God becomes pitiable out of pity. He writes to Mary, the mother of God, Was not his pity towards thee wondrous high that would have need to be pitied by thee? God's loving and merciful pity for Mary and for all humankind here in this fallen and darkened world is so high and mighty that he would make himself the quintessential object of pity, a helpless baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, a rough-hewn, filthy feeding trough. The Son of God comes into the world, into the most messy and ugly And he comes in the most inappropriate way precisely because of his profound love for his world. And all the pitiable people lost in the darkness. It's a shameful and forgettable origin story from a worldly standpoint. But heaven gloried in it. The angels, they lit up the sky and sang with clarion voices of what good news of great joy this birth was. Why? Well, they knew how great the contrast was between where he came from and where he now appeared. They knew that this birth... Its profound lowliness was itself the sign of God's glory in the highest. The word the angels use in verse 14 to describe the Lord's regard for his human creatures is, in the Greek, eudokia. In our translation that we read this evening, it is, Please, the angel and the multitude of the heavenly host praise God and say, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This word could be translated upon whom he shows favor or in whom he delights. Because this is not a case of merit where the people did well, they showed themselves pleasing, and so he is pleased, right? This is not the same way that God regards Jesus at his baptism, for example, and says, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. That's a different kind of please. This is something different. This is grace. This is a word of grace about a Savior who loves his beloved and without hesitation, and no matter how bad the birthing arrangements are, comes to bring the beloved salvation and his shalom, his true peace. Do you know a love like this? A delight and and favor that moves the lover to go to such extraordinary lengths for the beloved. Do you know a love like this? I was trying to think of examples. I, I thought of 
um, the novel The Secret Garden by Frances Hodgson Burnett and how Mrs. Medlock, the housekeeper, describes the hunchback Archibald Craven's uh, adoration for his beloved wife, Lily. She says, he'd have walked the world over to get her a blade of grass she wanted. Walk the world over to get her a blade of grass. Now that's love. Or uh, maybe a more uh, modern example, think of Catherine O'Hara's iconic performance as the mom in Home Alone, clawing her way back to Kevin, loving him so much that she would even take a ride in the back of a moving van with a polka band. Sure, they're big in Sheboygan, there's still a polka band. Now that's love. That's love. And these illustrations only barely scratch the surface of the love we see heralded by the angels to the shepherds. Because this is not a love just for a particular beloved, but it is good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This isn't a love that moves God to walk the world over to bring us something we want, but a love that moves God to leave heaven and cross from beyond time into history to bring us something we desperately need. This love is deep and it is vast. So even if you haven't known a love like this in your life, or even a hint of it, his favor and delight is for you. He came and was born in this humble way for you. He was pitiable out of pity for all the people. That means you. Just don't miss it. Think of all who missed it then and there in Bethlehem. And all who have missed it since. It's better to be like a shepherd. The nativity of Jesus Christ was first announced to shepherds. In part, it was because these were the people who were awake at night. And they weren't just awake, but they were watchful. They were watching their flocks to guard them from potential nighttime predators. Everyone else was asleep and not the least bit watchful. There they were, awake and watching their flocks by night. And boom, the angels appeared with a massive message about a tiny boy. Tiny baby. Here's another reason why it was the shepherds. Just think of those in society who work the night shift. It was the same then as it is now. The graveyard shift is for those at the bottom or on the margins. Jesus' birth was announced 
to shepherds because he came even for those at the bottom, maybe especially for those at the bottom and on the margins. And as the good shepherd himself, he would save them from the worst predators of all, sin, death, and the devil. He would come at night in order to be a savior for those struggling in the darkness. That's you. That's me. Out of pity for us, he would be born from the womb of the pitiable Mary and announced to the pitiable shepherds for the sake of all the pitiable people. No matter how pitiable you might be, his pitiable state on this night, this helpless baby, he was born out of pity for you. It is good news of great joy. It really is. What love this is. And you see it born that night in Bethlehem. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. He's pleased with you. He delights in you. He loves you. Don't miss it. Amen.